Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. I'm honored and privileged to be able to dive back into Colossians with you today and, and share in God's word. Um, we are uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verses um, 6 and 7. See, back in 2020, when like all of us was doing that work from home stuff, my wife really wanted us to get a dog, like really wanted us to get a dog. She would stop at nothing until we had a dog in our home. Now, context, we already had three cats, and I don't like, like having a little mini jungle in my home. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> let's wait, let's give it a little time, maybe bigger apartment, maybe more money, and then we'll decide to get a dog. But my wife was adamant. She plotted, she schemed, and she really wanted us to get this dog. And one day, she says, hey, you know what, let's go visit the Humane Society. I'm like, sure, now that's the trick right there. Visit the Humane Society. That's not a real thing. So because if you go to the Humane Society, you're either going to leave with a pet or you're like cold and heartless. So, so we left with a pet, and, and, and next thing I know, right, so uh, I think it's a picture of my dog when we met him at the Humane Society. Uh, his name was Leo, and, um, and there's another picture of him in modern day, um, present day, um, which is, you know, uh, he's a great dog. See, the thing was, is we, we were excited when we took him home, but we realized rather quickly that he was going to need some work. Stuff was going on, right? We, he was barking at people on walks and doing all sorts of unwanted behavior. And one time we came home and one of our TV remotes was in like 20,000 pieces. I promise you. This is, I'm like, I didn't even know dogs like ate remotes. I didn't know this was a thing. And so we were like, you know, we need to figure out what's going on. He's exhibiting bad dog behavior, and we got to get this taken care of because I'm not having a bad dog in my house. And so we, we, we would get hooked up with a dog trainer who's actually the sister-in-law to the executive pastor here at Epicos, and we learned a lot. We learned a lot from this dog trainer. One of the things that we learned was that our behaviors and our patterns and rhythms impact a dog's well-being and how it lives and how they live. And also, there's no such thing as a bad dog. There's such thing as a bad owner, an unloving owner or somebody that don't want to do what they got to do to help raise up a dog. And for our relationship with Leo to improve, we had to do the work. Got to do the work. Walks treats, change the diet, all the stuff that you don't think you got to do for dogs, you got to do those things for dogs. And, and I'm glad to report Leo no longer uses TV remotes for chew toys. I, thank you, Jesus, because that was a stressful little time. And although I'd like for him to be able to jump through hoops and do all the cool stuff that like the TV dogs do, like Airbud and stuff like that, he ain't there yet. He got a little work to go. See, like my lovely pup, Leo, my dog, and as he continues, his continued growth relies on our relationship with him, those foundational practices. We still got to walk with him. We still got to do all of those things. We as Christians uh, often need to be reminded that our walk with Christ is built on the foundation that we have in him. 
We still have to assess our foundation. We still have to look at those practices that allow us to live a life with Christ. And it could be easy getting caught up with things around the church so much that we sometimes forget what the church is actually built on. What is the foundation of the church? It's Christ. And in today's passage, Paul is, is continuing to encourage the Colossians on what, uh, what their foundation should be and what is foundational for them to assist in their spiritual well-being. And we only got two verses today. Um, I want to say that I'm going to get you all time for your lunch plans, but I ain't going to lie to you like that. It's a lot here. It's a lot going on here. And, and I love to dive in. We're in chapter 2 of Colossians, and we're going to be in verse 6 and 7. And, and, and I love what's, what uh, Paul is saying here. And he says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, when we read a scripture, especially uh, a scripture like this, we have to be reminded of certain things. One, we are reading essentially an excerpt from a letter. Paul is writing to the Colossians. And and although he is um, writing to the Colossians, we have to take these words when we're diving in to figure out what's going on. The first word you see, therefore, the best literary question that you can ask. What is the therefore, therefore? So simple, but it's so important. And we're reminded that Paul is, again, continuing to encourage the Colossians. He's never met them. He doesn't, he doesn't know them like that, but he's heard about them, and he's wanting to encourage them in their faith journey. And so as we hop back into therefore, I want us to ask a set of questions today. And one of the questions that I want to ask is, do you remember the gospel? Do you remember the gospel? Because that's the first thing that we see here, right? It's, it's Paul saying, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord. That, that whole little sentence right there, it means so much. It's, it's Paul resu- uh, presuming that the, the Colossians that he's writing to, that they have received Christ as their Lord. And also, the, the whole Christ thing is, is so important because it's really a descriptive of what Jesus did. And we're talking about remembering the gospel. I guess a basic question. It's like, what is the gospel? And I like to bring up my, one of my favorite Sunday school uh, Bible study verses, which is John three sixteen. right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In short, Jesus died for our sins, resurrected, and saved us from death so we can have a relationship with our creator, with our maker. It's such a profound thing. It's simple, but it's so profound. And another question, I'll take this a step further, is do you remember receiving Christ? Do you remember receiving Christ? I get a little personal here. I came to know Christ when I was 16. And see, prior to that, I'd been in and around a lot of churches. I grew up in the South. Grew up in Jackson, Tennessee. And in Tennessee, there's like a church is everywhere. There's like gas station, church, school, church, restaurant, church. It's just like a thing. So I've been in, in and out around a lot of churches, and I have relatives who were reverends and things like that. And even though that was the case, church was never personal to me. It was, it was, was not personal to me. 
And even though I knew of church, I just tried to have this like moral balance of if I just do just enough right things and just enough wrong things, heaven will be on the other side. That was my understanding of life. And when I was 16, my friend invited me to a community center that was hosting an outreach event. I didn't know it was an outreach event. I didn't know that was going on, but he said it was something that would be fun. And so I went because that's what friends do. And through this event, I met some godly men, three godly men who would actually go on to mentor me. They would spend time with me, walk alongside me and hear me out, even though I wasn't a quote unquote Christian. Even, that's, even though that's something that I didn't quite grasp yet. And getting a little bit more personal, this is where I was when that was the case. When, when I was at that point of not yet receiving Christ, and even at this point when I was 16, I was selfish. I didn't care about others. I didn't care about what other people, uh, how they lived, their needs, or anything like that. And because of my dysfunctional childhood, I often sought ways to kind of create my own little world and build up walls to keep people out. Probably just me. I was alone. See, before Christ, I didn't have friends. I didn't have community. And coming from a divorced family, my family dynamic was fractured. I didn't trust people long enough or even enough to build long-term bonds. And this next one's kind of hard to explain, but I felt like something was missing. I felt like something was missing from my spirit, and, and, and I tried find, to find ways to fill that in and, and with, to find ways of being validated through music, through friends, relationships, and all sorts of other things, but nothing could fill it. Nothing could fill that emptiness that I felt. And all these things culminated when I had a family dispute and I'm getting kicked out of my house and I needed to visit my pastor. And I told him, yo, I don't understand all this stuff going on. I don't get why everything is happening right now. Like, why does it have to happen right now? Like, as I'm trying to figure out who I am as a person in this world. My family's all over the place. My personal life's all over the place. And I feel empty. And in conversation, I remember him asking me this question. And he asked me, how have you ever received Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'd never had that question asked to me before. I was brand new to me. I was 60 years old. I'm like, whoa, what? What is that? What are you talking about? What does that mean? And he would continue to explain it to me. And I gave my life over to Jesus that day. And I've been walking with the Lord ever since. But what does it mean to receive Christ? How can you receive Christ? And Acts is put simply this way, that if we believe in in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. See, God already did the work. Jesus already died on the cross. He already resurrected. All you got to do is receive him in faith and the salvation that God offers as a gift and fully trust that Jesus alone is what was what the payment for our sins, because we all have sin. Apart from God, we can't have a payment for that sin. But God made a way through Jesus. And all we have to do is accept Jesus so that we can receive that salvation. So if you're here today and, and you're considering a faith decision or if you're wondering what are my next steps? What can I do? I would, one, encourage you to, that little connect card that we talk about every single week, fill it out. 
let us know. Let us know if you're even considering a faith decision, if you're even just thinking about it. Fill out that connect card and, and indicate that it's the case because we want to be able to walk alongside you. We want to be able to encourage you. We want to be able to explain more about what this Christian walk means because you're not alone. And even if you are here and you have doubts about salvation, if you have doubts about things regarding your faith, I strongly encourage you to have a conversation with your campus pastor. And let us know on that connect card, I want to have a conversation with my campus pastor about X, Y, and Z. Because we would love to walk with you because you are not alone. We are a body of believers that are here to encourage one another and lift one another up. See, it can be easy to misconstrue what salvation means. And, and, and it doesn't mean that you won't have bad days, right? Like, you read the whole Old and New Testaments. It's literally like believers having bad days. It's like the whole thing. But it, but it doesn't matter because our foundation in God allows us to get through all of those bad days and allows us to celebrate good days. And all of that is because of our faith in God. And with God as our foundation, we can make it through anything. Another question I want to ask you today is, do you remember to call to be rooted and built up? Do you remember the call to be rooted and built up? Again, this is also in the same text. And when Paul is saying that we need to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. It's going to be a picture up here of a, a random tree. To y'all, it's going to be random, but not in a couple seconds. Just give me a second. So this right here is the shepherd's tree. This tree is located in South Africa in the Kalahari Desert. And, and I said that because the next statement I'm going to say is important. This is in the Kalahari Desert, and this, has the, this tree has the deepest roots known to man. The deepest roots known to man. The, the, the roots of this tree go 223 feet deep. It's really deep. Really cool tree. And that allow, those roots allow it to uh, sustain in this desert and, and be able to withstand low rainfall conditions and a hot environment and take on all of the different elements that exist. And as I look at this tree, um, I think about how important roots are. Roots, they, they give us the nutrients. They, 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 are, they are like the brains of a tree. They help a, help a tree stay um, um, with all of the different resources that it needs in order to sustain in an environment. And as we uh, are looking at Paul talking about being rooted and built up in Christ, it just makes me think about how we often are in these spiritual deserts, right? Like when you leave here today and go on your Monday through your Friday, this isn't what's going on. You're experiencing real life. You're experiencing a lot of different things that are going on. What happens to a tree that is supposed to have roots that does not have deep roots? What happens to a tree that needs to grow that doesn't grow and has shallow roots? It withers away. It dies. See, Jesus uses the same language in the Gospels in the book of Matthew in chapter 13 and talking about uh, roots and, and, and growing in our faith in verses 20 and 21. He's, he was giving uh, um, this parable, as we know, it's the parable of the sower. 
And this parable is, 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 is very complex and so much so that the disciples, when they're like wanting to understand what's going on, they go to Jesus in more or less words. They say, hey, could you explain this to me like I'm a fifth grader? Because I don't know what's going on in this text. But you, what are you trying to tell me? What you told those people, could you break it down for me? And he does. And Jesus explains it this way. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So Jesus here is describing someone who receives the word, hears the word and receives it with joy at once. But because they don't have roots, they don't have, they're not rooted in it. When, when trouble comes their way, they fall away. So how do we stay rooted in our faith? How do we stay rooted in our faith? I'm going to say this phrase. Deep roots require growth. Say it with me. Deep roots require growth. A little bit louder with me. Deep roots require growth. There we go. Thank you. Because last week, Pastor Tommy said that the point of following Jesus is to grow in knowledge and understanding of him. To grow. We should desire to grow in Jesus and and be able to sustain that foundation and be rooted in him. And not only that, our foundation in Christ can also help us discover who we are. So the Bible and and Jesus and Christ, all these things, they don't exist so that we can just do um, Bible study trivia throughout the week or anything like that. We as believers, we should truly know and receive and believe that if we know God, we can know ourselves better. Our weaknesses, our strengths, our ins, our outs. God allows us to know those things about ourselves because he created us. Theologian Augustine wrote this in 8400. And he said, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? And he prayed, grant, Lord, that I might know myself, I may know thee. And although the gospel is, is simple, it can be hard to live out. It could be hard to, to understand what our purpose is. But if we know God, God continues to help us understand what our purpose is in him. Another question I want to throw at you today is, do you remember what it means to be thankful? Do you remember what it means to be thankful? And Paul finishes this excerpt from the letter by saying, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Now, I don't use the word abound on a daily basis. That's not something I'm just running around saying that I hope you abound in this and abound in that. So I have to go and get a thesaurus to try to figure out words that I don't use typically to figure out what's going on because it's not my thing, right? Abound, what does it mean? It means to be overflowing. It means to have a lot of. It means, and so if we're taking this in context, it says that Paul is encouraging us, just as we were taught, right, to be overflowing in thanksgiving, to have a lot of it, be very thankful. And when we're talking about thanksgiving, what do we do when we are thankful for something? We got examples of it throughout the year. 
We on Mother's Day, right? We we take our moms out for dinner and we, you know, do all the chores around our house just to let them know that they are appreciated because we are thankful for them existing. And we do the same thing on Father's Day. We take our dads out and we, we get them dinner and we do all the chores to show them, hey, thank you for existing. I appreciate you. I'm thankful. And we do this on Easter. As believers, we come together to worship the, the death and resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we come together and we worship and we sing songs and, and we read God's word to be reminded of what God did for us. So we're appreciative and we're thankful for God. But that shouldn't just be on Easter. We shouldn't only observe God on Easter and what he's done for us. We, that should be an everyday thing. Our worshiping God. Our thankfulness for God. See, Paul explains it in, in Romans that we should present, or he's talking to the Romans, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So it's worship. So we can tie being thankful to Christ, being thankful to God, to how we worship and how we serve him, serve God. Because if we are thankful for what Christ did on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, we should have a heart full of thankfulness. And this should be overflowing day to day. A couple things I want us to take from today, and and I encourage you to write these things down marketing your to-do list or whatever the case may be, to, to really observe these things. And one of them is to write down a description of your faith journey. Write down a description of your faith journey. A couple questions that I've thought, thought about that can help you do this is, what was your life like before Jesus? And, and I've been candid with you about what my life like was before Jesus. I was alone. I was selfish. I felt like something was missing from my soul, my spirit. Another question you think of is, what is your life like with Jesus? So before Jesus, but what is your life like with Jesus? And for me, when I came in to know the Lord and came into Christ, I was surrounded by a community of believers. I wasn't alone. I, I learned to, to, to care for what others care for. That was new for me. And also, God fulfilled and continues to fulfill my spirit. Another question is, what are some events in your life that have impacted your faith? Because I think a lot of us think, well, if I don't have a dramatic story, then why does it matter? You don't have to have a dramatic story about how you came to know the Lord. It's always good to remind ourselves of what God has done for us. So, um, take a description of your faith journey. Write it in a journal if you're a journaling person. If you're a person that likes to hear your own voice like me, take an audio recording and, and maybe take some notes from that. We also have a blog post on epicos.org slash blog that also kind of helps you in what it means to uh, just write a description of your faith journey. The other thing I want you all to do is examine your spiritual foundation to ensure it's built on Christ. Examine your spiritual foundation to ensure it's built on Christ. And these are not exhaustive questions I'm about to ask y'all to think about this, but it's just some things that 
I think might be good for us to get our brain chalking. This is some things that we want to ask to make sure our foundation is in Christ, on Christ. Are you staying plugged in into church community? Coming to church on Sunday morning? Are you in small groups? Outside of that, are you look, what ways are you looking to surround yourself with other brothers and sisters of Christ to stay encouraged and to, and to motivate and encourage you on your walk? Are you worshiping or idolizing things apart from Christ? And what I mean by that is, are you centering your life around things that aren't Christ? And that could be like relationships, work, all sorts of things. And none of those things I just said were bad, but the problem is, is when we center our lives around those things as opposed to Christ, we got our worship messed up. We got it inverted. This is the third one. This is really kind of like a question that I have to ask myself often is, are church-related things more important to you than Christ or God's word? Are church-related things more important to you than Christ or God's word? So maybe you do a lot of churchy stuff. You do a lot of church-related things. But, but how the importance that you place on God's word and, and what God desires us to do to grow closer with him is not that high. Because often, and I've done this before too, we often find ourselves doing the churchy stuff, doing the, 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 the churchy walk but not having God at the center and, and relying on God's word to inform us on how we need to live. Another thing um, that, that I implore you all to do is to practice living a life that overflows with thanksgiving. Practice living a life that overflows with thanksgiving. So what does that mean? Well, we talked about this earlier in, in, in Paul mentioning that we are doing this in worship, through worship. But is worship just the musical stuff? No, it's not just the musical stuff. The musical stuff is great. It's part of it. But worship is our overflow. This is, this is what we are being thankful, and now we have to live it out. And so this could look like reading God's word, prayer, serving God, serving others. And even just telling God that you are thankful. God, I, th- I thank you for what you did by sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I don't know about y'all. I am what you would call a professional complainer. Like, if, I, if there was a part-time job for complaining, I would make a lot of money just from complaints that I can make. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to get wrapped up in, in complaining about the things that are just not in place, the things you can't control, and all those other things. But I have to put things in place for me, even, to deter me from being ungrateful and to, to, to focus on helping me stay um, um, with a thankful heart. And oh, some of those things is I have to spend time in God's Word daily. I have to do that. I got to do it. I have to spend time with friends and other brothers and sisters in Christ so that I can stay encouraged, so I can hear about what's going on with them and realize that my, work, my life is a little bit bigger than what's going on in my life, but also to be encouraged by them and what's going on in their life. I have to constantly remind myself where I was before Christ. I have to, to literally say, God, you brought me from like nothing, and I'm here now. I thank you so much. I'm so thankful for where I am because of you. 
And I also have to take a mental note of all the ways that God has blessed me. The simple things, the little things, waking up in the morning to the bigger things, from, from, from all of the things across my day, I have to take a mental note and say, God really did all this. That is amazing. That is super cool. So a question I'll ask is, what is your foundation? What habits do you rely on to maintain an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ? Leo, my lovely pup, he's better. He's doing okay. Because of our relationship with him over time, we still have those foundational practices. Um, We still walk him twice a day. We still give him those treats and all of the things in order to continue to help build him up, to help him uh, be the best pup he can be. In that same way, we have an ongoing relationship with God that requires us to assess our foundation and stay rooted. Because our growth in our, in, in our God is not a checklist. We don't have like these spiritual hierarchies and these levels of once you reach level 20 of Christianity, you can check out and you're good. It's an ongoing thing. And I implore you to stay rooted and keep Christ as your foundation. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. You gave us a gift, and we get to receive that, dear Lord. And I pray for our continued journey with you. I pray that the same way that Paul encouraged the Colossians, that we continue to encourage one another and be encouraged by what you, uh, you say in your word, dear Lord, and what you give us every day. I pray for those who are here and they've not made their faith decision. I pray, dear Lord, that you stir something in their heart so that they can lean closer and closer towards you, dear Lord. That even if they don't make that decision today, dear Lord, that they know that we got a body of believers around you that's going to walk with you. Dear Lord, and I pray for the people here who have received Christ and needs, we all need to reassess what are we being found, what is our foundation on? Are we doing the things that you want us to do to stay in relationship with you? Dear Lord, I thank you for all these things and and give you all the praise and glory and honor. And in Christ's name we pray.